Hello and welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me are my cohort co-host cousins, the Larry, Moe, and Curly to my shemp, Justin, Derek, and Tyler. We are recording this podcast on January 11, 2017. All right, so we were going to start out with a boring conversation about the national championship recap and yada, 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 but I guess we have breaking news coming out of Lincoln. Apparently, Mike Riley is getting inspiration from the new season of The Apprentice. Uh, tonight, he just said hasta la vista to Brian Stewart, who is going to be the uh, defense coordinator at Rice. And uh, Mark Banker is fired. He is gone. Kaput. Outski. Bereft of employment. Uh, fellas, what are you guys uh, thinking about this? Tyler, we'll start with you. You know, that, that, that is huge news, and it was very unexpected news, uh, at least in this household. You know, Brian Stewart, first of all, I want to wish him the best of well at Rice. Um, you know, I, I liked him as a head coach or as a, a coach coming on our staff. Um, I thought he was going to be a really good coach for us. Um, he's done a good job. Our secondary had great improvement this year. So he, he's definitely warranted a opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. But Mark Banker, man, I couldn't believe that firing. Uh you know, he, he isn't going to be one of my favorite coaches ever in Nebraska history, but, you know, I thought he had done a pretty good job, you know, considering I felt the cabinet was pretty bare when he got and took over as defensive coordinator. We had no pass rush his entire time, and his defense is heavily reliant on having a good pass rush. Um, you know, he improved our defense this year. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm shedding a tear for him leaving, but... I, I thought that was kind of a an abrupt firing. Uh, Justin, any comments? Well, I get what you're saying, Tyler. Perhaps, but in private conversations before this, you know, in this past week, I asked you guys a question. It was like, does somebody get the Hank Hughes treatment after signing day this year? And then we kind of thought maybe it would be Kavanaugh or Banker. Ultimately, we didn't think it would happen because there's too much history there, too good of friends. But it's Banker, and I think it's exciting news for Nebraska. I think it's exciting news for the defense moving forward. And, yeah, I, I feel bad for Banker. You know, it's a real job. But, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, some civilians. Yeah, but Brian Stewart, you know, when Brian Stewart, him leaving, that's not a big – that's not big news to me. I mean, when he, when he signed on with all the accolades that he had and that resume, we kind of thought that he wasn't going to be here long-term anyway. So this is expected. All right. This is too nice. You guys are kissing his ass way too much. Uh, Derek, come on. Let's uh, hear some uh, slamming on the banker door here. All right. Well, first off, Tyler, you want to talk about he improved the defense. He st- his improvement went from 400 yards a game to 363 yards a game. And 28 points per game to 24 points per game. And those are still like bottom three Bo Pelini defenses, which weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, he improved a little, but it wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough to when – you, when you get beat by 59 points by a team that, yes, they're better than us. We all understand this. And then you get beat by 30 points by another team that, is that's not, where the bar was. Maybe. The bar was set there. Yes, yes. I mean, that's that, that is. You're right, Justin. The, the bar was set there, so you didn't necessarily go below that bar by any stretch of imagination. And I, but you didn't get above it either. 
I mean, no, big- exactly, exactly. And 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 this was supposed to be the best D or best talent that Mark Bankers had to deal with since probably San Diego Chargers when he was defensive coordinator under Mike Riley there. I mean, it's a tale of two, like, defenses. I mean, they, they started off really well, but then they just seemed to regress well, gradually I, I, as the I, season went along. I, I, think you, I think you could argue in the fact that we started off against weaker teams. I mean, yeah. we gave up a lot of yards to Oregon, but we knew, we knew that was probably going to happen anyway. But outside of that, the other six teams that we played were well below us. Or, or should be well below us, at least. Tyler, and you had a... Oh. Teams that were equal or better than us, we started going downhill. Uh, Tyler, yeah. You, yeah, go ahead. You know, Derek, you know, I, I'm not Mr. Stat Boy over here, but <laughs> I believe last year we were ranked 122nd against the pass. And, and this year, and I, don't correct me wrong, we were in the top 40 to 50 against the pass, I mean, overall defense made made strides this year, and and while again, I'm not I'm not going to say he's the greatest coach, and definitely not the greatest recruiter we could have. Um, I, I will say though, I definitely don't think we got the personnel to ever run his staff, and we've gave Langsdorf kind of a pass because our offense couldn't run his uh, what what he wants to run. Armstrong wasn't yeah, his guy, and I think Banker never didn't get that kind of deal. And but but, but what I'll say is this: in and at the end of the day. You know, I'm I'm not shedding a tear for Mark Banker leaving. I I think maybe a little bit of a raw deal, but not shedding a tear. Well, what I see about this firing is, is the repeated statement Mike Riley has made as our head coach that he wants excellence. Yeah, I don't know if he can deliver it. I have no idea. But he is his friendships aside. He is coming here to add to his legacy and bring a championship back to Lincoln. And he may not be able to do it, but that's what he's striving for, and that's what this firing shows me. Derek, rebuttal. All right, so Mark Banker was never a good defensive coordinator. This guy averaged 382 yards per game in, in the last since 2008. And in, since that time, he has given up five, five years that he has given up 400 yards or more. And – one of them was at Nebraska, and I, you know, I, he, I, I don't know that he, I was ever sold that he was a good defensive coordinator, and I, I'm happy he's gone. I, I know that's kind of sad to say. I hate to see him lose a job, but at the same time, I don't think that he is. He was never the answer. Yeah, but it's a cutthroat. And business so it's there. a hopeful, hopefully, hopefully, maybe Nebraska will be willing to spend some money to get a big name, not necessarily big name, but a higher defensive coordinator that is on the list a little bit better than Mark Banker. All right, good segue. With that said, who do you guys want to see as a defensive coordinator for Nebraska? Who would you like to see? You know, the first name that comes out to me uh, is Brent Brables, uh, the defensive coordinator of Clemson. And and, and I, I he makes... I think double what Mark Baker makes. So it would be an aggressive thing. Why would he leave Clemson? I don't know. Maybe you could sell him being a uh, next head coach at Lincoln type deal. You know, we all know that Mike Riley's got five to seven years left. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to sell him. I don't know if you're going to be able to sell that guy. 
Um, you know, another name that comes out is Brendan Daly. He, he's the defensive line coach for the Patriots. He's bounced around a few gigs in the NFL. Um, he's got some Midwest ties. He played in Des Moines. He's from Des Moines, coached high school football in Des Moines. Uh, went to Illinois State as a grad assistant. He bounced around the Midwest, and I think we really need a boost or some defensive uh, Midwest recruiting. I, I would like to see that going into the game. Derek? Oh, go ahead, Justin. What? No, I was just going to say, uh, Tyler, I don't want to see the next up-and-coming position coach. I want to see an established defensive coordinator come in and take the job. This isn't the time or place to, for on-the-job training and all that stuff. I want to see somebody that has actual experience and they've done that before. Yeah, you know, the guy that you mentioned in the uh, the, the pa- Patriots, he may be a great guy, but this isn't the time to try it. Last time we brought in a former NFL position coach, Bo Pelini. And while I think he was a terrible head coach, he did pretty damn well as defensive coordinator. Yeah, point taken. Go ahead, Derek. Well, okay. Brent Venables is making $1.35 million at, at Clemson. And I'm not sure if Nebraska will spend much more than that to get a defensive coordinator. And I, so I don't know if we can make this a true selling point to get him, because I don't think we can pay him much more than that. You gotta call it. Uh, you gotta call a guy like that. I, hey, my- I, I have no problem trying. I have no problem trying, but you're. I don't see him leaving a national championship team yeah. to come coach at Nebraska right now. I don't either. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of big names out there that would be cool to get, and, and, and they're all pipe dreams. We're not going to probably get any of them. You know, Dave Aranda, he, he would be awesome to get. But that guy's making the most out of any out of any assistant coach out there. He's making $1.8 million. And, he, and he's also the assistant head coach. So chances are we're not going to be able to pull that guy. Uh, but one that I would like to see us get maybe is uh, maybe that Justin Wilcox out of uh, Wisconsin. You know, they're only paying him 725000 a year. And I think we could definitely offer him way more than that. And maybe pull him away from Wisconsin. Wouldn't be hard and, to do. And in Wisconsin, they have a great defense. Now, I don't, I don't know what he is as far as a recruiter because this is, I think, his this is first or second year at it's Wisconsin. His first. I think it's his first year. And so, I mean, I don't know as far as talent. I mean, maybe the talent was already there for him. I don't know, but you know, I he seems like his his scheme seems to work well at least. Uh, a couple other names. I think uh, Washington's got two two defensive corners and Pete Quiet Ta- Quietkowski. Um, I butchered that. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Lake, who I think you could probably offer either one of those guys to be a defensive coordinator by themselves and maybe pull them away. And Washington had a really good defense this year. Yeah, they, they did. were. They were. Uh, 12th in the nation in, in yards per game and 8th in the nation in points per game. Yeah, definitely. In, in, a, conference, in, in, a, conference, in a conference that prides themselves on scoring a lot of points. Uh, do you think recruiting – yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, you know, one other name I wanted to throw out there was uh, former Minnesota head coach Tracy Clays. You know – I understand he just got canned from Minnesota, but I mean he had a lot of success there as defensive coordinator. In fact, beating Nebraska a couple of years, he gets the Big Ten. 
Um, and I think he got a raw deal in that firing. I, I think that was I a situation, was a situation where he, you know, he got fired because of a situation that there was no way he was going to get out of. I mean, the, that whole situation up there was beyond his control. And I think he handled it the best he could. I mean, I, he's looking for a job. Could be a guy you can get maybe on the cheaper side and has had some six, success in the Big Ten. Well, I don't know. I think this. I, I think Icorse has made it clear that he wants to shoot the moon everywhere as far as Nebraska getting back into the national title picture. And with that comes recruiting, uh, which uh, we really kind of experienced the black hole of recruiting last weekend. Uh, and with this new news coming out as far as bankers firing, how do you think that this affects the recruiting going forward? And uh, and what do you, and, and what do you think about uh, last weekend? and how that might impact things going forward. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you since you're the recruiting guru. Well, I mean, you know, as far as how the coaching changes are going to affect it, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, Brian Stewart and Mark Banker, I think they're both quality coaches. I made that clear. But I, I don't think they've done a great job on the recruiting trail this season. So guys that we are in the running for and guys we have committed, I don't think their commitment lies on um, – those two as coaches on our staff, uh, you know, uh, I don't know about the people on the roster, but as far as last weekend goes, you know, I, I had made a quote that last weekend was as big of a weekend in Nebraska recruiting as I can recall. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know last time we had four of the top 150 players in the country considering Nebraska and that that's phenomenal. That's an accomplishment amongst itself. But we went zero and four, and we left that weekend empty-handed. And we have put a lot of stock in our ability to bring in re- big recruits. That's what this staff was supposed to do. And I'm and I'm not giving up hope. There's a lot of season left. There's a lot of recruitment things to happen yet. But I mean, that's a big deal. Going zero and four, <laughs> you couldn't go to sleep Saturday night not feeling a little bit that the sky was falling in Lincoln with recruiting. Oh, right here. I mean, I, I pretty much thought that that was it. I was ready to throw in the towel. Uh, Justin, you have uh, thoughts uh, to get us back up again? Yeah, sure. Us? Well, well, I think so. I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great that we were even being considered, you know, with all these top recruits, but you know, we've never watched the army all American game just to see who these top recruits are going to, you know, like, Hey, are they going to call Nebraska's name? But I think we are headed in the right direction because this coaching staff has reached out to these recruits and we're actually in the conversation that they're, they are considering us. And that doesn't happen too often. You know, sometimes the biggest guy that we are, you know, could potentially go come to come to Nebraska is going to be a four-star, but there's five-star guys out there and that we're in the conversation with. So, yeah, I was depressed at first, but then when I sat back and I looked at it, I was like, you know, you know, we're not dropping off from wh- where we are in recruiting. You know, we didn't get these guys, but there's a lot of time left. And I ultimately think that the way that the season panned out in the second half, because it was a tale of two seasons, like you said, Patrick, you know, First, in the beginning, we looked dominant, 7-0, and and then all of a sudden we dropped turds all over the place with Ohio State, Iowa, and Tennessee. So these recruits, top recruits, maybe if 
we would have changed things on the field a little bit different. Maybe if we would have beat Iowa and uh, beat Tennessee, hell, even just be competitive in the games, more competitive. Maybe these top guys are like, hey, that's a school I want to go to. But when you're getting blasted by Ohio State and Iowa, it's like, you know, I'm a five-star guy. Do I want to go to that spud school? No. It's it's the same old story, isn't it? Like, Nebraska always seems to be their own worst enemy. Uh, Derek, you had any comment? Well, yeah, and, and you know, you, you talk about those games and hence the firing of Mark Banker. I mean, those defenses look terrible in those games. Now, I mean, you could also say that our offense didn't look too good either, but I, I don't think you can – really say too much about Langsdorf until we get a quarterback that fits a scheme. A, a, def- a defense, there was enough talent on that team to work with, I think. Uh, but I think the biggest kick in the Johnson was losing two four-star wide receivers to Oregon State. And one of them is already enrolled, so we've lost him for sure. Uh, Jameer Calvin, there, there, there's a possibility maybe we get him, but Isaiah Hodgins, he's already enrolled at Oregon State. We're not getting that guy. Uh, I, I don't necessarily see myself, Jameer Calvin, committing to Oregon State this late in the game and then switching back to Nebraska. But who knows, I guess. I mean, the recruiting game's a fickle bastard. I, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that we shoot for the moon and sometimes I think we forget about those players that – I mean, they're not quite what we're looking for, but they're still assets, and uh, we're even having trouble hard-selling those guys, don't you think, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, definitely think we're having a hard time selling these kids. I mean, right now, we, we're at a turning point in Nebraska. I mean, we, we, we have invested a lot of resources and a lot of time in the Calabrasca movement. Yeah. Which is more than the Darnay Holmes in that high school. That, that, that symbolizes... The whole south part of California. And, and, you know, we've had some success. We've had some opportunities. But we, that, that has been a recruiting strategy that our coaches appear to be going for. And going into the year, Mike Riley said what his recruiting strategy was is he was going to dominate the 500-mile radius. And, and you, can, you, can, uh, talk, you can say a lot of reasons why that hasn't happened and what the issues have been. Maybe lack of talent. Maybe they're not worth the time. But but it, it's 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 a very interesting thing. But Jameer Calvin, I will I will come on this. Derek, you pointed out the whole Oregon State debacle and and that was a kick in the nuts. I mean that that straight up it was right there. Um but but at the end of the day, he didn't pick Oregon State over Nebraska. He picked his West Coast option over Nebraska. His mom came out today and said his heart is in Lincoln. He wants to play there. As a family, they don't have the resources to play there. And truth be told, that's going to be a problem we're going to run into. Not every high school we're going to recruit from is going to be Calabasas with Keyshawn Johnson Sr. floating the bill to get trips out to Lincoln eight times a year. Yeah. That, that That's not going to happen with every California kid we're going to recruit. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and and, and that, that's a realistic thing when we're trying to go out to the West Coast and win. It's going to come up over and over again. Derek, rebuttal? All right, so, okay, I, I get it, but Jameer Calvin's a high four-star, or at least mid-four-star recruit. I He probably could, I mean, you want to talk about West Coast recruiting. I mean, 
he probably could have got somewhere even closer than Oregon State. And he might. He might still. He wants to take he one could. more finish. I, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from and the fact that his parents probably can't afford to come to Lincoln to watch him play. But Oregon State was just the absolute worst school that he could have picked, in my opinion. Yeah, if he, if he would have chose, you know, Washington State – this probably wouldn't be that big of a – we wouldn't even have this conversation. Yeah. The yeah. fact that it's Oregon State is what makes this a big deal. Well, so, it's yeah. a kick of the nuts well, to uh, well, Miley, yeah. for sure. Well, th- the whole thing is, is Oregon State was supposed to be this school that you can't recruit at because the facilities are so bad and the resources are so bad that you, you can't recruit there. And that was the excuse that we've all used for Mike Riley not doing well was because he didn't have the resources to do it. And now you're turning around and saying that, oh, well, we just picked up two four-star wide receivers. It could also be, I mean, it's almost like the inverse for Nebraska. They've got all these great facilities well, and all these great resources, but we're in the middle of nowhere. No one wants to come. I, I think well, that- and, and the other thing about it is, is Gary Anderson's taken over. And since he's taken over the last two years, he's had the 119th and the 110th passing offenses in the country. Yeah, and Jameer Calvin says he wants to go to a school that knows how to use wide receivers like that. He referenced Brandon Cooks in his recruitment. Like, oh, Oregon State has a history of receivers like me. But like Brandon Cooks, who was a player under Mike Riley. I mean, this, this, this I, God bless Jameer Calvin. If he plays at Oregon State, I have no uh, ill harm. He, I believe he was a silent best. commit. I, he, I believe I, he had told the I'm coaching staff he was a thing. silent commit. He was coming to Lincoln. Um, I think last minute there was family pressure that said, we want to be able to watch you play. We want to be close to you. And that made him look at his closest option. He does not have a USC offer. He does not have a UCLA offer. He has an Oregon State offer. Okay. So I think that pushed him there. I kind of wonder if he's not very smart in his decisions. Like, I... (laughs) Like, like, Gee, like maybe he picked up, maybe he picked up the wrong hat and he was like, oh, I'm going to Oregon State. <laughs> he, he, he was like crying when he was making the announcement. Like, if you listen to what he was oh. saying, like, it literally looked like he was chopping an onion while he was doing it. He's like, I'm really excited to play football at Oregon State <laughs> and win four games a season and play for a coach who averages 108th passing offense in the country All right, with, so apparently who has Tyler seven wide receivers course. in class. I mean, it made no sense. And and, and we're in the you running know, for a lot of good kids, and the, the recruitment season is far from over. I so my, my right. dad has a theory. Wait, hang on here. My dad has a theory on Jameer Calvin going to Oregon State and stuff. And you know what? I hope he's right. Maybe he's talking out of his ass. I don't know, but I love this. Uh, I, I love this theory. Maybe Jameer Calvin's going to Oregon State because the coach, our coaches, says, "Yeah, I don't think we're going to need you because they know that Joe Lewis is going to commit to Nebraska." Hmm, it's an interesting theory. Um, I would love that. Uh, and, and you know what? If if that's the case, and he knows that, and that's why he's leaving, then if you don't want to, if you don't want to compete for your position. Then go. And we don't want you anyway. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Good point. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, how many receivers? We already got three receivers in this recruit. Two. two right now? Okay, so that would be the third one. I don't know how many they want to get, 
They probably four. They you guys, four. you guys keep mentioning that we got a long ways to go. Signing day is on in February, isn't it? I mean, it's not really February first. You know, here's the thing with recruiting, though, is right now, you know, I, I, I for people that haven't seen, I do a big board. I, I follow recruiting like every night before I go to bed, like I, I update my big board. And 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 right now there's a lot of speculation what we're going to do at a lot of positions and where we're at. Friday answers will be had out Friday. The dead period is over. We can do in-home visits. We can get people on campus. We will know what our coaches have in thoughts. If Keith Williams doesn't set up an in-home with Jameer Calvin, he's done. Yeah. We'll know that come Friday. Yeah. If we're not going in-home with him. But, you know, there was interesting news that broke today. One of the top wide receivers uh, in the country. Uh, I'm going to butcher his first name because I have no idea how the hell you say it. But it's Tyron, Tyron, uh, Lindsey. Let's call him Tyron. You know. He, he was he was a committed to Ohio State. Um, you know, I watched his junior film, you know, months ago. And and uh, between Lewis, he's, he's up there with Lewis. Between anyone I've seen that we've been after, he exploded from the screen his junior year. His athleticism is as good as anyone I've seen. He decommitted from Ohio State. And when he committed to Ohio State, it was between us and them. And he really liked us. But he ended up transferring high schools to play football with Tate Martell, who's an incoming freshman at Ohio State. So for him to decommit from Ohio State when he's invested in a lot, there's something up with that. And Crystal Ball's flu. I mean, he would be a great get if we could grab him um, yeah, this year. I mean, there's a lot of great talent out there. We may not need Jameer Calvin. I think we do need Lewis. Joseph Lewis is a stud and a half, but, uh, well, but, but I, I think – a lot of big recruits still out there. I think a lot of recruiting um, experts for Nebraska are also thinking the same thing, that he's leaning toward the Huskers. So cross your fingers, gentlemen. Uh, there was an interesting article uh, by uh, Steve Sipple uh, this week regarding Dabo Sweeney and how he kind of encouraged uh, the athletic director uh, from Clemson to kind of invest more in luxuries and kind of perks uh, for the players. Uh, even a laser tag kind of a situation. Uh, it's something to think about as far as Riley and company are concerned, uh, because uh, it seems like that seems to be the thing that's getting uh, Clemson all the five stars and four star players. And that was surely in evidence with that national championship, which was a thing of beauty on Monday. Epic, epic game. Uh, wouldn't you guys agree? Uh, Derek, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, the way that game ended. I mean, Watson looked like he was just completely out of sync that whole first half. And it looked like Alabama was just going to just destroy Clemson. It looked bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that second half, that was an exciting half of football. I, 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 I was ready to turn it off at halftime almost until <laughs> late. Not late in the first he half. Scored, half not even scored. after he scored, though. No, to end no the first half. after he scored was the only reason I decided to keep it on. But uh, that game really screwed me in the whole uh, bull pick'em scenario since Tyler won because of that one pick. <laughs> you, you think only yourself, Derek? We're talking about Good job, Tyler. here. Uh, good job, but, Tyler. Hey, I do. I do know the most about college football and the committee. So on the cast, it makes sense that I would win it. So 
Ooh, <laughs> in your face, well, in other words. Not, Chuck, not the regular season, but I mean, we'll get we'll give you the bull pick them, I guess. All right, Justin, uh, what were your thoughts regarding the uh, national championship? Oh, this is is great. It was so exciting. You know, I, I agree with Derek. The first half was a little bit lackluster, but the second half, it just it just kept going and going and going. And I was really impressed with uh, Clemson's defense, really. Uh, you know, they held Alabama 2 of 15 on third down. So now we know why they weren't generating any offense. They It was just great. But the part for me, anyway, uh, is, you know, you know, I – I don't really care for Nick Saban. He's a little bit of a crybaby, but I've never hated any player on Alabama. And uh, so after this game, it wasn't until the next morning to that gave me the reminder why I hate Alabama. And I know why now it's the fans. The fans are the biggest bunch of drunk rednecks. Oh my God. I can't say they were making excuses. It was like it was the biggest conspiracy against Alabama that the fact that they lost. These guys, they need to get a life. Well, obviously, they need to get a life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I get it. We need to get wow. a life. But they're calling in, and they're making excuses. And then they start doing this blame game. They're blaming the media. That Basically, the media is the why they lost because the media secretly was giddy and happy and rooting for Clemson. Holy shit, guys! It was it was embarrassing, and it it also reminded me of you know back in the Paul Feinbaum days when all those drunk toothless rednecks would call call up at three o'clock. Oh, and damn time! There you go. I mean, it was so exciting. It was like the Jerry Springer of college football. You know, you could say the same don't, thing don't, about don't. us, though. You could say the same thing about us. We whine and we bitch about. No. I think we do. I think we do. Ever since you're the right, 90s, you're right. we yeah, yeah. All fans do, but they take it to this. They take it to this next level. I mean, they've we been blame so a lot on so effort. long, and then all of a sudden, if they lose one damn game in two years, and all of a sudden it's the biggest conspiracy in the world. Hey, you got beat by a really good team. It's Derek. You know, give me, give me something here, Derek. You, you're you're anxious to talk. I mean, I. Nebraska's always done this. I I love Nebraska, and I've been as guilty as anybody that has ever watched Husker football. Right on here, this. right here. We have we have blamed the referees for more crap than they probably ever deserved on some of Nebraska's losses. Maybe not in the last ten years, or maybe even fifteen years, but back in the nineties, we blamed a lot on the referees. They did so not call a face mask on Eric Crouch in 98. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were some legitimate, there were some legitimate I, concerns I in this game. The targeting by Alabama was just absurd. Just absurd, the targeting. So they got away with a lot. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. That was a very yeah, bad you know, it, Watson early in the game. There, there were some bad calls in the game. And, and as far as Nebraska goes, I mean, we, not only are we guilty of blaming the refs, we, we do blame the media. I mean, I, I've heard oh, from many, many Nebraska fans that we get no press, no love. But 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 going back to that game, if you guys have listened to me this year, I have been anti-Bama. I have not believed this Alabama team has been as good as it is. I have picked against them, I think, incorrectly multiple times throughout the season. And that's largely because I did not believe Jalen Hurts is that 
good of a quarterback. And and my God, was he terrible. I mean, <laughs> he, he if you look at this game, I mean, you weren't in this game, and there were people in the media who thought this may have been the greatest team greatest of all team. time in college football. And Alabama's defense gave up the most passing yards ever in a college football championship game to uh, uh, Sean Watson. And not only that, they Clemson finished minus two in the turnover differential in that game. I mean, the, everything was in Bama's favor, but they couldn't complete a first down. They had no offense. And in Nick Saban's great tenure at Alabama, and it pains me to say, it's as great as Tom Osborne has ever been. I mean, he, he's he up was there legendary. with Bear Bryant. Let's be honest. He's probably going to hey. beat Bear Bryant's record. He yeah. shouldn't have shit-canned Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin was a godsend to that program this year. He did so much <laughs> with that true freshman. He made that team, that offense, better than what well, drunk ass Sarkeesian could. How dare you? Well, and, 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 How dare you insult it, Saban like I, the ultimate I, robot in getting rid of his uh, dysfunctional, uh, you know, malfunctioning uh, can opener? Who is uh, a Kiffin? I mean, come on, let's be honest here. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. I I, I think you could absolutely disagree with that because Jalen Hurts did not look good in Washington game either. He uh, just. He, his completion percentage in that game wasn't any good. Their offense no, did not look good. Their defense looked stellar against Washington, and their defense won them that game. You don't know uh, it, it definitely did. It definitely did. But, but you know, you but, mentioned Lane but, Kiffin. But throwing forty-four percent of your passes, going fourteen for thirty-two in a in a championship game, yeah, that's probably not good either. No, no, it's terrible. And, and you guys mentioned Lane Kiffin and, and him getting run out of town. And, and I don't know how much that played in fact in this game. But I will tell you is if you watch Alabama play all year, I hate Lane Kiffin. He may be the biggest douchebag in all of sports. But watch him be rated on the sidelines week after week by Nick Saban for having an awesome team it is uncalled for. and and, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I honestly think the game plan that week was Nick Saban went to Jalen Hurd and said, whatever you do, do not throw an interception. And therefore, he completed more passes to the sideline than he did to <laughs> Alabama receivers. I think, it, it, it was I think, hon- Yeah, I think honestly, uh, you know, I think Charles, Charles Smith uh, brought it up uh, a good point. Uh, he said basically the game plan was uh, handed off to Bo Scarborough, handed off to Bo Scarborough, handed off to Bo Scarborough. Without Bo Scarborough there, Alabama's offense uh, was n- null and void. Uh, so, what, um, anyway, with that said... I think we need to wrap it up here on uh, the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget to follow us on Podbean. We're also available on iTunes, so don't forget to like us and write a review. And with that, we will see you next Wednesday where we will do our 2016 retrospective. I know we said we were going to do it tonight, but hey, with the news that just came out of Lincoln, now always beats then. And with that, Go Big Red!